Hello there. This is Series 7 of Satisfied. The Series 7 podcast enhanced the Radical Acts Bible study of the Book of Acts in the New Testament. I'm Melanie Newton, just an ordinary, everyday kind of woman who loves the Lord and His Word. In these podcasts, we have been talking about the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. Your spirit baptism at the moment of salvation and your daily conscious depending on Christ rather than on yourself both lead to a life transformed. In the last podcast, we looked at what it means to be spirit-filled and how that is the fruit of living dependently on the Lord. Today's podcast will cover Lesson 4 of Radical Acts Bible Study. We will look specifically at what the Holy Spirit did to transform Paul. Every time I hear the word transform, I can't help but think of the toys our son had called transformers that have been part of our culture since the 1980s. Each one starts out looking like one thing, then various parts move so the whole thing becomes something totally different. Some parts stay the same. Others change to take on the appearance of something with a different purpose, usually a powerful robot. But these toys are not rightly named. Each toy car or boat gets transformed by the child playing with it, something outside of itself. They should really be called transformables. This toy makes a good visual of how in real life you and I are not transformers either. But we are ones who are transformable in the hands of the living Christ and His transforming power. And while the toy won't consciously resist the human working its parts, because it has no will of its own, we can resist our transformer, can't we? Out of fear of the unfamiliar, out of stubbornness, not being convinced that we really need transforming, or out of ignorance, not knowing transformation is even available to us. So how do we cooperate with our transformer? We cooperate by faith, like everything else in our Christian life yielding to the God who loves us dearly, knowing it's for our own good. When we can do that, our lives declare and demonstrate the undeniable reality of the living Christ and His transforming power. We see what a transformed life looks like by studying Paul's life and how God transformed him. Let's first look at Paul's character traits as a young adult and how he was conforming to the pattern of his world. These are what he brought with him when he met the living Christ. Some were good traits, some good traits were misdirected, and some bad traits needed to be totally transformed by the Holy Spirit. Paul was born in Tarsus, a big city on major highways, only 30 miles from 12,000 foot high mountains and 10 miles from the beach. Sounds like a great place, doesn't it? Tarsus was an elite university town that was prosperous and well-known for its fine linens and water-repellent goat hair fabric used for making tents. At some point, Paul learned tent making, which he used later to support himself. Paul was born into a Jewish family and given the name Saul. He was also born a Roman citizen and given the Roman name Paul. He had at least one sister. These were the advantages given by God 
to Paul. Two particular phrases in Philippians chapter 3 tell us how he was raised as a Pharisee and as a Hebrew of Hebrews. The phrase, as a Pharisee, meant that he had a Pharisee father who raised him to be a Pharisee also. That's not an occupation. It's more like being a Boy Scout with a code of conduct and lifestyle of rigorous training. Paul learned to be a disciplined rule follower. That's a good thing. The phrase Hebrew of Hebrews meant he was raised a Hebraic Jew. What do I mean by that? Most Jews living outside of Israel mainly spoke Greek and attended Greek-speaking synagogues. These were called Grecian Jews. The ultra-conservative Jews outside Israel primarily spoke Hebrew and sent their kids to Hebrew schools at Hebrew synagogues. That was Paul's upbringing. Paul lived a segregated life. He knew of the Greek ways, but did not participate in them. He developed pride and prejudice against the Grecian Jews and all Gentiles being taught to think lowly of them. Pride and prejudice are not such good traits. Paul apparently completed high school or whatever we would call seminary in Jerusalem. He was zealous for God, a diligent student, and thoroughly trained to teach as a rabbi or perhaps a law professor. Those are good traits. While at school, good mentors impacted his life. Rabbi and Professor Gamaliel was wise and honorable. A few other law teachers and Pharisees had sincere faith, but Paul was also impacted by bad mentors, other law professors and religious leaders who later rejected Jesus. Paul lived as a Pharisee after school he likely went back to Tarsus and missed interacting with Jesus for those three years. Neither Paul nor Luke references Paul ever meeting Jesus on earth, except in resurrected form. Paul states that he followed the law faultlessly, advancing in Judaism beyond his peers. So he was ambitious, had confidence in the flesh, and was self-seeking. He came back to Jerusalem in time for Stephen's case. Stephen was a Grecian Jew. This especially made him a target for the religious leaders and a prejudiced Paul. What happens next clues us into the impact of those ungodly mentors on this idealistic young man. Paul was incensed by what the Christians were doing. He started going from synagogue to synagogue and house to house, dragging men and women to prison, giving approval to their deaths. He was deliberate destructive and bold. He was unafraid of strangers. He disrespected families. He lacked compassion. That means he was blind to suffering. And he promoted murder. For about two years, he heard their testimonies and was unmoved as an independent thinker, not easily persuaded. He was manipulative as he tried to force Christians to deny their faith. This is what he said about himself. Paul obtained letters from the Jewish authorities to go to other cities, obsessed that he ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus. He was proactive in that he targeted what he was after. He respected authority and he was a courageous traveler. Paul was also sold out to his cause, determined to stamp out wrong and obsessed to get them all. 
did you hear some good traits that were corrupted by his association with those misguided religious leaders who formed his world? He conformed to their pattern of thinking. Which of his good character traits became useful to Paul's life of serving God? All of them, including the misdirected ones. Which bad traits needed to be changed by God? All of them. Jesus met Paul on the Damascus Road and began the transformation of his life. As a new Christian with the Holy Spirit living inside of him, Paul had to choose to yield to the Lord Jesus and find out what he would do. We must do the same. To understand what it means to be transformed, look at how a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. A caterpillar finds its spot, spins a chrysalis, and submits itself to the transformation, trusting in its creator. To be transformed is not just putting on a costume or mask. It is a change from the inside out, yet using the resources God has already placed within the caterpillar. That's what God does to us. God's plan is to transform us to become like Jesus in our character, and he uses what he's already put in us to complete that transformation. Let's see what happened as Paul submitted to the living Christ and his transforming power. The first three days after Jesus appeared to him, Paul was isolated and dependent on others so that all he could do was think about God and pray. He spent the next three years not back with those old conforming influences in Jerusalem, but in the Arabian desert with Jesus and in Damascus with other believers. While there, he taught the gospel message with boldness. No surprise there, huh? During that time, Jesus revealed to him the plan for bringing Gentiles into equal relationship with the Jews in the church through God's grace, not through the law. This was valuable time of removing old ways of thinking. After that three years, Paul spent two weeks in Jerusalem getting to know the Christian leaders there. He respected authority, but his old teachers were so hostile to him that Jesus told him to leave and go back to Tarsus. Paul was in tune with God's will for him, not knowing how God would carry it out, like the caterpillar. But he wasn't sitting on his hands back home. During the next few years, we know he had some influence in the churches of Cilicia and Syria because he visited those churches on his missionary journeys. Paul only went to churches where he had an influence. This time was also when he had that heavenly vision recorded in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Jesus' transforming power enhances the positive traits and replaces the negative ones with his own character. Let's see how this looked in Paul. God showed Paul the value of weakness. That's his confidence in the flesh transformed. Paul learned humility in light of Jesus' strength in him. That's pride transformed, spiritual power at work. Paul's energy before Christ was aimed at promoting himself, self-seeking, and his world's agenda. As Jesus' disciple, his energy was transformed toward promoting Jesus Christ and his agenda. That's a good trait redirected. Before Christ, Paul manipulated Christians to denounce their faith. 
as Jesus's disciple, he labored as an encourager to help Christians mature in their faith and stand firm against persecution. From being destructive of the church, he became constructive, founding many churches. His priority changed as did his character, transformed. Over the years, God replaced Paul's heart that lacked compassion with one that loved people deeply, including Gentiles whom he accepted as family. His former prejudice totally transformed. No longer was Paul disrespectful of women, but he pinned the beautiful words in Ephesians chapter 5, Colossians chapter 3, and Romans chapter 16 that have built up respect for women wherever the gospel has gone. God took Paul's obsession to destroy all the Christians and redirected it to a restlessness to win as many as possible to Christ. He remained sold out to his cause and a very courageous traveler. Instead of being a willing participant in murder, at least twice Paul saved the lives of prisoners. His life was being transformed. It was for his own good and it definitely pleased God. He was becoming like Christ. Dear believer, recall your own teen and young adult years. Studies say that 80% of a person's character is developed by age five. The rest is developed by age 12. What kind of good and not so good traits were developed in you by the time you reached your 20s? Now consider what God has done in your life since you trusted in Christ. Which one of those traits have been used by God as you serve Him? Which ones have been redirected or needed to be changed by God? For me, Jesus changed my drive for self-achievement to a drive to serve Him in whatever way He chooses. He has used my love of learning to pursue learning of His Word and ways. I think I'm more compassionate now than I used to be. He replaced my emotional dependence on athletes and athletics with joy in himself. I have lots of things he's still working on. I need to submit to him for transformation. What do you need to give to the living Christ today to be transformed? Submit to the Spirit's work in that area of your life and trust him to do that. It's okay to say, Lord Jesus, I can't change myself. I know that, but I desire to be changed by you. I will trust you to do that in my life. Show me how to yield to you. Then watch what he does. Let Jesus satisfy your heart with his spirit's transforming power and say yes to a life of adventure with him. Until next time, I'm Melanie Newton, and this is Series 7 of Satisfied.